out of all the cake shops in this damn town, I had to walk into this one. Um, and she looked at me and she must have seen that I was easy prey because I, I did not have a voice. She decided to berate me and she just got louder and louder. And, and all I thought was, just take it, be obedient. And when she's finished, you go. Because that's what I did most of my life. Good, Patty. Good, good to see you again. Yes, always happy to see you. And uh, thank you for coming on the Break Time with Patty show. My yeah, dear. This is, this is going to be good. It is. It is. Yeah. And I came prepared. <laughs> I came prepared. <laughs> I learned. I learned. <laughs> and I too. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you see, we're all organized ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dear friend. Jennifer and I met at uh, Station University, where people get the skills they need to become unforgettable mm -hmm. speakers. She was one of the speech coach, uh, coaches who has given me extraordinary feedback on two of my messages. And recently, I felt this uncontrollable urge to reach out to her and to ask her if she was willing to share her story with you and I. And lucky for us, she said yes. <laughs> Without delay, let me introduce Jennifer Leone to you. When enough was enough and facing her fear to speak up uh, had to be tackled head on, everything for Jennifer changed. Now a certified speech coach and storytelling strategist for nearly two decades, Jennifer has created a reputation as a coach that finds the buried message in your story and helps find the other half of your story not yet told. She is the director of her company, Talk Trainers, a professional member of Professional Speakers Australia, also known, also known as PSA, and accredited the Martini Method facilitator. And she's on the fa fa facility of Stage Time University as a speech coach, as I mentioned. Jennifer lives with her husband, Paul, in Sydney, Australia, and is the firstborn of immigrant parents from Malta. Her clients are mainly from all around the world, whether mm. they are celebrities or in corporate, to entrepreneurs, and to those who want to become a professional speaker. Jennifer has been a Toastmaster for over 20 years and the recipient of the Distinguished Toastmaster Award. She has five children, now adults and married. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> And her six granddaughters remind her to worry less and giggle more. <laughs> her seventh grandchild to be born in a few weeks in France will be a surprise if it's to be a boy. <laughs> Either way, they will be loved as much. Jennifer says she will work as a speech coach for as long as the good Lord gives her life. She knows her purpose in life and helping others find the hidden gems in their signature story is what gives her her true north. Finally, playing the part of nanny to her granddaughters gives her much enjoyment and pride. <laughs> I have talked enough. Let's get started. Are you ready, Jennifer? Thank you. Yes, yes, I'm ready. Thank you for the introduction. Yes. So to begin, can you please tell us a little bit about little Jennifer as a young girl? What was it like to be in her shoes, please? Mm, um, it 
It actually was a couple of months ago that we were cleaning out um, my mother's um, home and uh, I came across uh, a few boxes of uh, photos and I picked up a photo of myself and I have never, ever seen this photo. And this photo is of me when I was eight years old and I'm at school. And when I saw this photo, it it really took me back because I didn't realize that I'd been photographed at that age as uh, in, in school uniform. And I realized then that everything that had happened to me as a child, I really was a child because I'm taking it on board now as the adult looking back. But I'm thinking like the adult looking back. Yeah. But when I looked at the photo, the photo reminded me, you were only a child. Mm. You were a child and you forget that because we can be quite harsh when we look back at ourselves and see the things that have, may have happened that maybe weren't so pleasant. And we, we have a different take on it. But when we realize that we were children, we were young and, and we did what we did because we were children. Mm. Um, and so that was really big. It was a, it was a really, uh, it was a very personal moment. And I've kept that photo. And it'll, it'll be always for me to, to remind myself that um, I was extremely shy. But now I look back, I know why. Mm. And I, I know why I'm shy. And I've been actually embraced embraced it because it's given me abundance of benefits because I am shy. But it's taken me a whole life's journey to get to that point because um, when I look at that photo, you know, the world hadn't yet told me, oh, you're not going to make it or you're a loser or, um, you know, nowhere as good as the next person. So the world hadn't told me that at eight. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it was the world was, you know, pure and the slate was clean. Yes. You know, and life changed that. And it's taken the lifetime to look back and 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 see the abundance of benefits that life has given me mm -hmm. because of you know the things that have happened. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, it's true. And the innocence and the pure um, the pureness, is that how you say this mm. in English? Of a mm. child, uncorrupted. Mm. And it's just the most beautiful thing. So basically, so you were shy, you said. Yeah, and it, it went, when I looked at that photo, that photo was the year that I wanted to enter a competition, a singing competition. Yeah. And the irony was I actually knew even at that age that I could not sing, not even a gunpoint, okay. could not sing. But I had this inner urge. Whatever this urge was, it was actually my guiding light. Okay. And I want, I wanted to enter it. And I, because people have asked me, why don't you go into speech competitions? You know, you, you do really well, you'd win. And I've never had a desire to do that. And I thought, well, where does this come from? Why do I not have this desire? You know, here I am wanting to help other people, but wh why am I not doing this? Why am I, why am I not competitive? And the photo, I could hear the voice in the photo. I remember the competition you went into. And I remember so clearly that when I was called to get up to sing, I knew when I got there that I couldn't sing, but I also knew I wanted to sing. And I I sang. I remember looking down at a couple of the children. They were giggling at me, and it actually didn't bother me. And I looked way beyond their heads, 
And I just wanted to do what I had planned to do, and that was to sing. And today, when I look back, it's no irony, the song that I chose, because the song that I chose was, you know, blue, blue, my world is blue. That's all I wanted them to hear. Mm. And I did not know that this little eight-year-old wanted to say what she felt. And it was the only opportunity she had because no one would have believed her at home. Mm. And I remember... Um, sitting sitting back down, folding my legs, sitting down back on the floor, and the next person come up, and, you know, that, that person I remember nailed it, and it didn't bother me. Mm. All I still remember to this day is how I felt when I sat back down. I felt so good. Mm. And I realized that was my moment, my very first moment of what it was like to say what I feel, to get up in front of everybody to say what I felt. That is my beginning. Mm. And you know, as I said, it took a lifetime to get back, you know, to that confidence to say what I felt because it actually made a difference, a personal inner difference to me mm -hmm. that I got that. I realize now I, I didn't follow singing down the path of singing, but I realized I still said, I still say what I, what I need to say and how I feel, but I do it through speech. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So that, um, that, that photo re reminded me of the innocence of how actually young I was. But it also reminded me that today when I when I help others who want to compete and, and wholeheartedly I'll do what I need to do to help them in competing, I understand their journey, but I also understand mine because I really don't have a desire to be the best in the world, mm. but I do have a desire to be the best for the world. Mm. It's a different desire. Oh, and because of that, because of that, now I'm okay with it. Instead of asking the wrong question, why am I not like a person that can compete? Mm. Um, so it's always been an inner thing. That's why I always like to, you know, look deep into people's stories because um, I found we're we're we are holding the we're holding the treasures in there, yeah. and they, they need they need to come out, and yeah. it, it'll, it'll it'll free us. Yes, yeah. it will. Yeah. And I'm just curious, in that room when you sang that song, did you have anybody cheering for you or some family members? Or... No, 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 no. It was just, it was in the class. Okay. I can still feel um, the carpet on the floor. I can still feel, you know, when I can still see the two people where they were on to the left of me that were, were giggling the entire time I sang the song. And it actually didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize back then, but it was more important for me to say what I needed to say than, than be affected by what people was, were doing to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and that's taken me uh, all its lifetime to get back to under, uncover what, how profound that moment was that I really when 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 the voice inside of you, because the voice back then must have been louder than the voices of those children laughing at me, because the voice inside of me then it it didn't allow that to affect me. Mm -hmm. But you know, life life goes on and, and and things happen in life, and then all of a sudden the world gets louder and the voices there get louder, and you and you shrink, yeah. and it can take you up to a lifetime to find out. Um, you know, you've you've got to find your voice and be so louder that anything on the outside of the world doesn't affect you, mm. you know, and that, that takes a lot of work, a lot, a lot of courage um, to willing to find why is this happening? 
and it's worth it's worth finding that journey yes yeah well and it is but what i find amazing is that you were so young because i'm thinking back at my th i have a lot of nieces i have four nieces and they're they're very self-conscious mm. even if they have not been wounded or traumatized mm. by the world yet but they still know anyway i just find that uh, it's just beautiful that you were able to just tap mm. into that and i'm happy that you were able to get back to that even if it was many many decades after that well you know because I, I, when i even look back into that i thought well why about all the songs because really it wasn't as popular that song back then but um that they, they would have had to have mean something to me and i realized that it actually did because the world was blue you know if if i go home and, and told my mother what was happening you know with my with my uncle and you know taking my innocence for so many years um there was a reason to say why my world was blue and uh and it's easy to judge from today's world oh that's horrible and that's cruel but we need to go back to the times that it was and in in the in the 60s everything was swept under the carpet everything was hushed I remember coming home from school and we always used to walk through a park and I was walking with the neighbor um, another girlfriend of mine and out of the blue it was just like a movie out of the blue is this old man that comes out in a long French coat and uh, you know opens his uh, French coat and flashes and all I remember is I saw it and she didn't and I said to her look down we need to run right now all the way home which we did and uh, and I remember the first person I wanted to go to was to my mother and tell her what had happened. Now, I feel free and open to tell her what had happened. Um, but remember, these are different times. They were different times. And I told mom and uh, she looked at me and she said, did you see anything? And I said, yes, I saw. I saw everything. And I got the biggest hit. Mm. And that's when I realized to protect me, I needed to be now quiet because I knew that once I opened my mouth, there would be repercussions mm. and things changed again. So I'd be, and as, as that may sound awful today, and it's sad that it happened, it also is an absolute blessing that it happened because I began to learn more about me and observe the world from, from the world of silence and understand it wow. so um yeah it it had its purpose and I've made sure that I found the other half of that incident and not leave it at that yeah oh Jennifer thank you for uh mm. trusting me to share <laughs> this right now because those are not easy subjects and you know they're so important to talk about there's mm. so much abuse so mm. much abuse that happens out oh, there's so many so many the innocence of so many has been taken away and it's just it, those things keep repeating themselves those little patterns and the generational curses you could call them whatever you want but those things keep repeating themselves and we need to talk about it and like for instance I've had incidents happen to me as well when I was younger and it took me until I was 30 some years yeah. old to tell my mom and she was so upset Jennifer so upset she goes why didn't you tell me why didn't you tell me I said, I was afraid you would be upset with me. I was afraid. I felt like I did something wrong. I was, I felt like it was my fault. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of guilt that comes with something that you have nothing to do with, basically. And 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 to be honest to the times as well, they say that once they've heard it, but they may not have, if you actually had said it, 
they may have acted differently because they wouldn't, you know, a lot of them wouldn't have known how to handle that. Mm -hmm. Or um, they would be so shocked by it because it would rock their world, particularly if it's someone in their family. It's going to change everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that and I understand that. But spending a whole lifetime working out, well, you know, why did that happen and what did I get from that? What was the benefit for me to experience that? So when once I stack so many benefits of who I am now because of it, mm-hmm. I've dissolved it. I've dissolved the pain, mm-hmm. dissolved the anger. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually, you know, I'm in gratitude and grateful that it it has molded me, made me who I am. It's given me, um, you know, powers that I feel for me are such a huge benefit as a coach. Because mm-hmm. in the in those times of of, of silence. I got I got to learn a real lot and watch other people how they act and how they talk, mm-hmm. um, and, and watch their body language. It's yes. the, these are the the traits I need as a coach. When I'm when I'm listening to a client, mm-hmm. I've got to watch for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's not just what I hear; it's what they have implied and what they've said. Mm-hmm. These things you do when you're when you're living in silence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you get real good at that. So, um, and it was only literally last week that I sat with mum and I told her a few more things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was in a different place. So each, you know, each time in their life, they will be in a different place. And it's up to us to find, you know, when we feel comfortable to feel when they are ready to hear it. And, and I just, you know, and I said certain things and I said, you know, mom, there was a reason why I never sent my children to um, a particular religious school because of this. And she sat and she was shocked. Right? But she could take it now. Mm. And, it's, and, and, and it was different. It was such a pleasure. Just, you know what, what we really wanted. I just want you to listen. Mm. I just want you to listen. And she said, it now makes sense. I now understand. But I, I felt liberated. The fact I had, I felt that comfortableness that I could tell her. And I go, mom, you know, you know why I never did this? And, and I actually lived from, from this particular religious school across the road from my house. And yet I, I traveled. I traveled 10 minutes away to take my children to different schools mm. that were non-denominational. I said, there was a reason. And, 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 and you know, and I told her the stories. I told her the stories of, of her so-called friends, you know, the the, the fathers um, who who were inappropriate, you know, who have now, you know, long gone. Mm. But I never said it with any blame. So I actually helped her to listen. And I didn't come from any anger. It it, it is what it you know was. Um, but yeah, she 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 now listened and she could understand. Mm. Yeah. Oof. So much mm. damage has been caused in the name of religion, mm. and um, is just actually just humans. Humans can be awful creatures, and, and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know the irony is, um, and I'm not here to to blame. Um, you know, you're going to find fault in everyone, so it's it's not like I'm bagging any particular religion. But the irony was that um, it was only a few years ago that I gave a, um, a presentation at a conference 
And I had no idea that in the conference there were priests and nuns in the room because a lot of the majority of them weren't wearing what we would have called, you know, the habits, you know, they, they were just lay people. And, uh, and uh, one of them called me up later and wanted me to train their priests. Because I was so surprised that we were actual, they were priests that were in nuns that were in the room. And, um, and the irony is, is they paid me well. They, I, I sent my proposals. It was accepted straight away. And I said, let, let me get this straight. You want me to help priests be better at delivering their sermons? And they said, yes. And I said, would it be fair to say that you're losing business because some of you are pretty boring? And he said, yes. And, um, and, and, but I also got a, and it was, it, I was nervous. I was so nervous because I remember thought, here I am, I'm going to be the only woman in this room. There's going to be 45 priests. You know, I've not been to their seminaries. I don't have that education. But I remember um, telling my husband before I left, you know, because all I was worried about, okay, what am I going to wear? What am I going to do? Well, I was actually really nervous. And he said, calm down. And I said, oh. I said, you know that they're going to tell me, who are you? You don't know anything about the priest or da, da, da. And he said, yeah, you're right. But he said, they don't know what you know. Remember that when you leave the door. And it was a little man just before I walked on who shook hands with me and, and introduced himself. He said, I'm really looking forward to this. He said, I'm the archbishop. And I went, whoa, I'm thinking I've got the head poncho here now. <laughs> right? But I was also prepared and I knew what elephants would be in that room. You know, we're not here to be show ponies. We're who, you know, who do you, you did that. I knew them all and they were ready and they were waiting. And I could not have been any more honest than I was when I showed them what opportunities they were missing out when they had that opportunity to give their sermons. And anyway, so I, I, I spent two hours with them and it was that little man, elderly man, who was the archbishop that came. Now, he taught me a lesson that day. He shook hands. Thank you, Jennifer. He said, that was actually the pep talk we needed. Mm. We needed this. And But he taught me a lesson because he took the most notes, mm. asked the most questions, and he was the leader. Mm. So what does that say? That we, you know, are we, are we willing to continue to learn? Are we willing to continue to ask questions, whether it be in our personal world or whether we be in speaking? We will never know it all. And that should excite us mm. because it, it then teaches us there are so many more possibilities of new things to learn. And it, it just, it, it keeps regrowing for us. Mm. So, um, you know, it was interesting, but I also, you know, thank the Lord that what an experience that was mm. that it ironed out the creases of my past. Mm. But who was, who was to tell this little girl one day you would stand in front of them and show them how they could better connect with their people. Wow. And and to me, out of all the things that I've done, I've done some amazing things, but to me, this will always be the feather on the cap. They don't know that. And, uh, but yeah, who would have thought? Yeah. So um, that's why I, I trust in learning because it will start to uncover, you know, under every layer, what magnificence, you know, we all hold. Mm -hmm. 
but we've got to get the guts to, you know, to do, to want to do it. Yes. Yeah. We do. We really do. Because yeah. we're not going to always like what we hear, what we hear and see, mm. but eventually, around the corner that we haven't yet travelled or seen, there will be the magnificence. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. So mm. I now we now understand why you lost your voice early on and it took you all those years but was there like a turning point that made you say enough is enough I'm turning my life around or yeah there and there was because it was it was when I was dating my husband and I decided to do a birthday party for him and I prepared all the food being the European that I am love to do all the cooking but I ran out of time to make the cake so I decided to to go down into the town and I walked into the, it was a little French cake shop. Uh, and I brought my eight-year-old daughter with me. And, you know, we looked around and, and we finally picked the cake. And she was about to put it in the box when my daughter, Emily, said, Mom, ask the lady to put Happy Birthday Paul on the cake. And I did. And at that moment, this woman froze just like steel. And she said, you know, you want me to put Happy Birthday Paul on this cake? and I had sunglasses on and I said is that a problem and she said you're Jennifer aren't you and so I took my sunglasses off and I went oh do you know me from somewhere because I'm feeling now really awkward and she said I'm his mother-in-law because this was um, my second Paul is my second husband <sighs> and all like my head was saying Adam all the cake shops in ah. this damn town, I had to walk into this one. Um, and she looked at me and she must have seen that I was easy prey because I, I did not have a voice at that age when I walked into that shop in my early 30s. She decided to berate me and she just got louder and louder and or whatever her insecurities were, she thought I was the, the blame. And all that could come out of my mouth was, I met Paul 18 months after he's been divorced. I have nothing to do with it. That's all I said. And, and then I remember the tingling of the bell that somebody walks, walked into the shop and this poor man walks in. I, you know, we just wanted to buy a little cake and go. And as soon as she saw him, she thought she could put her volume up even louder. And I took it. All I remember was that she took me back to the child. I needed to be silent and obedient. And I needed to take it. That's all. I went back there. And I just had my hands on the box of the cake. And all I thought was, just take it, be obedient. And when she's finished, you go. Because that's what I did most of my life. And she, I am... As much as the time, I, I hated her with a vengeance. And it was the first time I met her. I remember um, taking the cake and I just said, I'm sorry, madam, that you've taken it out on me. That's all I could say. Now, I got in the car and Emily's going, Mom, you all right? You all right? And we had three, three traffic lights before I got home, but I just you know, was crying, just kept crying. And I thought, Okay, you know, she made me feel like crap. She made me, she made me feel like dirt under her feet. But by the time I got to the gate of our of our home, 
I thought, why are you really crying? Like, be honest. Why are you really crying? And that's when I, I had to I had to stop and take it. And I swallowed deep because I said, you don't have the guts. You just don't have the guts to stand up. You've had enough. Haven't you had enough? And that was enough. I can assure you, because that day, by the time I opened that door, I thought, that's it. That's it. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to find my confidence. I'm going to face this fear and I, I will never have anybody anyone make me feel like that so she has no idea what she did for me that day has no idea in fact you know today it's a different situation when I bump into her and one day I'm going to take that moment where I'll actually shake her hand and go you have no idea the blessings that were given to me on that day mm. because that day I decided I'm going to join Toastmasters and as it turned out they were holding a meeting across the road from my house I had no idea and, you know, I've been in Toastmasters for 20 years. I had no idea when I walked in there that this is where I would be today. Mm. So she actually guided me to my true north unintentionally. So can you see that I could have wasted so much of my time thinking she made me feel like dirt. She made me feel like a nobody. And I could have gone and, and taken the path of being really angry with the world. But I, I just wanted to go back to the girl that was sitting on that carpet who said, I felt really good now that I said what I said. Mm. Now I needed to go somewhere to help me find that courage to get back there again. And and that, that now I, I tell the story, but there is no pain. Sure, there's you know regret should it have been that way, but it, I actually have regret, so I've dissolved. There is no pain to this. Because what she gives me now has changed, has changed me. And also it's given me the gift to pass to somebody else. I want people to, to have what I found, what I found for me. And when I see people still staying in anger and regret and their course of actions in their life are based on that, my God, they will never end ever get to see around the corner where the magnificence is waiting you don't see it but it's there it's waiting but there is a hell of a journey to get there mm -hmm. but I, I guarantee you it's like the promised land it's worth waiting it's worth it's worth going there um you know and when I work as a coach my job now my mission is not only just to help them speak and have the courage to speak up but there is another half to their story there is another half to the story and hasn't yet been told. And I've seen when when I show them that, when I when they when they see sheer gratitude from um the fact uh, maybe they were abandoned and they've hated it and resented it. And I see the ultimate blessings that they've received because of it and everything they thought they never had wasn't missing. It just came in different forms throughout their life. You see that inner smile, that that one that comes from the heart. And they realized nothing was ever missing. It came to them in different forms. Oof. So that that is what moves me. That's um, I can I can work all day and be exhausted, but the minute I've got an opportunity, you know, get up in the morning to help someone, mm -hmm. that one is I'm not tired. I'm I'm always ready, mm -hmm. always ready because I know what I know what possibilities it will do for you. Mm -hmm.
you know, don't live in that moment where you're, you're, you're trapped because you thought someone did this and did that to you and because of that you you rely on that to be who who you who you are but not who you were meant to be hmm. Ooh, jennifer oh my goodness so actually that was going to be one of my next questions i don't know if you want to add anything to this but i want mm -hmm. to ask you right now because again i always think of the hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. And the heal people, heal people. I'm sure you've heard those. Mm. And clearly you're a healed lady, <laughs> a fantastic lady who wants to heal others as well. Because that's what you're doing. When you're helping people mm. uncover their story, You, it is a form of therapy, technically. Let's say someone ha has suffered from abuse, mm. whether it's verbal abuse, like what you suffered at that cake, uh, at that pastry mm. place, or wherever uh, it's any form, physical abuse, any form mm. of abuse. And they've remained silent for years, like you did, decades, mm. okay, just to keep the peace. And it's been so long, nobody won't, would believe me. But they're, they're still in this right now. They're trapped. Mm. What would you like to tell them right now? If you, if you feel trapped and if you feel angry, then it's just like you being in a car and looking to see how much petrol you have left. You know that in a car without the gauge, you don't know how much petrol you have. You need that gauge. So when you feel those those times when you're down and you're angry and why did it happen? And, and that's your gauge, your human gauge that's telling you, you need to now reset. You need to now rethink and maybe ask the questions. How did it serve you that this had happened? Because we we all see the downside, we're, and we can live in the downside, but we never look at well, what good came from it, what benefits come from this. That's what that's you know the question. When when um, I'll give you an example. I worked with a client who most of his life, because his father had abandoned, had walked out of the house when he was very young, and here he is, a man now in his late forties. He still is angry and hurt when he recalls it, how he was being abandoned. And I asked him the one question he had never been asked. What have you, what would you have done had your father stayed? Mm. He had never contemplated because he thought, I don't have this. I don't have the father. I don't have the guidance. I don't have, and I don't have, and I don't have. And the, when he started to recall the other half of the story of everybody that came into his life gave him all the components that he needed that a father would give a son. Different men that came in his life. That, and he he credited it that each and every one of them had their father-like um, attributes that made him who he, who he was today. Mm. So I said straight away, can you see that it came in a different form? It's like water and ice ice is still water in a different form and he, and he saw that nothing was ever missing because he got it all in a different form so when i asked the question well what have what if what if he had stayed mm -hmm. he then knew exactly the life he would have had mm -hmm. and it would have never have been the one that he was actually given wow he would have been a drunk. He, he would have beaten on my mom. We would have been kicked out. He knew where the road would have taken him. 
But instead, you know, society tells you, you know, be angry at this and stay angry at this. And only and only focus on what you don't have. Well, you know, it's 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 like living with one eye open and one closed. You 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 don't see the other half. It's like buying a book and 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 the person tears off half and go here, read the read only half. Your your story has two sides. Flip flip the side because there is the other side to your story. Flip the page. And I can't begin to tell you that moment when when he saw that he actually had everything he ever wanted. And yes, it came in a different form. And he realized how better off he was. My goodness. He actually had gratitude. And here's this man, you know, with tears in his eyes, realizing I'm going to change my narrative. He didn't abandon me. He actually knew, his father knew enough that to stay, he would never, they would never have had the family life that they had without him. Hmm. And he he actually had love and, and, and gratitude. That's why I want to push the other half because the other half of the story has the answers. Mm. And it gives you the other half of the story gives you the peace that you're looking for. So that, that's why I work with people's stories because I and I'm still continuing to work on my own. That's why when I found that photo in, in my mother's box, mm. it wanted to make me ask the questions and remind myself. I needed, I, I didn't have to be so hard on myself. I was eight. I, I can see my innocence. The photo shows me my innocence. Mm. I did not know what was going on. I did not understand. By the time you're 12, you do. Mm -hmm. But at eight, you don't. So it was, it was fair to feel like I felt. Instead of me looking back as the adult, how could I judge myself? I wasn't an adult. I was an eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you see it as a form of, of, of affection. You don't understand. So it was it's it's fair to 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 look at look at the whole picture of your experience. Mm. So that's why I'm so moved when I help others and, and I use the Demartini method where we look and, and we become grateful for the experiences that we have so that we can dissolve that pain. And you can see, you know, when, when I get a, a speaker that wants to get out there and, and share their experience and help the world, well, I ask them why. Because if if we don't uncover deep down their why, then it's 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 not going to be clear to the people in the room that hear their story. Oof. Yeah. So um, yeah, and, and and I have been blessed with listening to some unbelievable stories. There's a woman um who lives in another state. Uh, the news people had did a did a documentary on her. She attempted suicide, and she was here to tell the story. Mm. And in this documentary, they had now changed the laws in this state, and now have big signs on the on the bridge because she she jumped over a big bridge. It would have been like in San Francisco, that type of a bridge. Um, she had. They now have signs on the bridge to call Lifeline there to get help. They also have rails and guards because of her incident, because she was one of the very few that made it. Now, she in the documentary and in her book, she tells the story where, because everybody wanted to know what made you push over the edge. And she said um, that she had an altercation with one of the women she worked with, 
and she was the um this woman was working for her so here was this woman that was the boss and she had this altercation she said and it just took her to such a dark place that she thought she would go to lose her job and she went home and within the weeks her depression grew and it got worse and all she thought was that financially she would have been she was going to be better off without by not being there her family would be better off so she attempts this and she jumps the bridge now in the documentary it was never two things were never asked what were you thinking when you jumped because it's a long way down and and the other what what did that woman trigger in you because it's hard for me to understand we all have bad days but not that bad that we want to do that and when we worked through it you know she shares that she shares the thoughts that she had never ever recalled until i asked her that she felt this inner peace inner peace it wasn't until she hit the water at the very moment she hit the water a ferry a boat went past and the captain at that very moment just turned his head and saw her head bob up and that's how she was saved but i said to her when that woman was berating you where did that take you that was the question and out comes this story and she says i i felt i felt lost i said well where does lost take you she said i felt abandoned where does that take you back to being a little girl where does that take you she said the day my father died my mother walked out and i'm eight years old Oof. i had to fend for my little sister who was two years old and she does not realize until that moment that it wasn't just the bad days at work that this woman made her feel inadequate it was what she triggered in her and you can't believe the joy and the, the love that this woman now has mm. also for her mother when we work through the story but i said to her again and tell me what do you do now for a living and she says i'm a, in recruitment i have a business i i get people the right jobs and i said well that's no coincidence i said because you know how important it is to have work-life peace and this is exactly what she does and she realized the link it was coming from because she had to take care of her little sister and uh, you know change her nappy and feed her and she said I was left alone to take care of her I was abandoned and she wanted a home and, and that's exactly what she does for the people she works for mm -hmm. she wants their their work life to feel like home to feel safe mm -hmm. so that's why I do what I do so that that other half of their story helps them mm -hmm. you know it it it's not in the way it's on their way once they open it and they look at it so that's why i'm i'm always moved because i see the brilliance when i see them you see this inner inner glow mm -hmm. that it finally makes sense the half of the story that they they didn't look at that was always there because i don't put anything there I, all i do is show them where the light is to turn that light on mm -hmm. that's it and it's there everything they need is there um and and she tells now she actually tells the story of where this woman at work 
the place that she took her to. Mm-hmm. And now it makes sense when people hear why she was so moved, you know, to, to end it, but it wasn't the answer. Yes, there was more. It wasn't it. There was more. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer. Um... Yeah, so that's, that's why, um, as I said, <clears throat> until the Lord gives me, you know, to my last breath, I will I will do this because we don't have to live half a life. Mm. We don't have to live in the part that makes us angry and stay angry or feel as if we missed out. Because we're under we're undervaluing what we are capable of doing and what we may be doing now that's of great value, you know, to others. Because if if we're like that man who only said, you know, I've been abandoned where now he sees a huge difference to his world. He's he's ever so grateful. Yes. That it, it all say that his father, out of love, knew that was the one thing he left that he could do. He would have been better off without him. Mm. And he he know and he didn't think that. Mm. And you know what, Jennifer? Oh, there's so many beautiful things. I cannot wait to rewatch this again. <laughs> Um, Jennifer, you know, sometimes, yes, people hurt us and then we find it within ourselves to let go and forgive yeah. them. Okay. Let's say you, somebody can get themselves to forgive their abusers, but I find often it's the hardest is for us to forgive ourselves. And, mm-hmm. um, do you have any advice for someone who's struggling, uh, who struggles with holding grudges even towards themselves or do you put that in the same category? Sure. Um, well, if if I go back to what had happened um, to me, mm-hmm. um, by the time my uh, my uncle died in his eighties, mm-hmm. and only my brother and sister knew what was going on at that at that point, and I remember to be obedient, I went to the funeral. Um, I went to the funeral because my you know my my parents didn't know. Um. But I have to say something quite funny because, and I thought it's, it is it is actually the universe because sometimes we get, we get so tensed up and bottled up that, it, you know, something has to be released. And I, re- I remember I had my, no, nobody knew just these, just my brother and sister. So, um, and I, inside of me, I was feeling like, you know, that rebellious, if they only knew, mm-hmm. right? That, that was inside the outside, you know, quiet, and, and obedient and I remember the, the priest came out and I not it's not his fault but you just you know when you look at somebody but then when they open their mouth you you're so surprised whether it be their voice or their accent mm-hmm. and and because I was in this state I didn't I didn't see it coming and he opens his mouth to deliver his sermon and he has a super high-pitched voice and he has a really strong accent. And at that, it was just at that moment, it was like releasing the tension. Okay. And I just did a, a small little giggle. And my daughter next to me, now an adult, she looked and the, just the look on her eyes was, well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> she giggled. And because we're now in church, I had to put my head down and and I'm holding my my mouth. I remember my husband looking in disgust. <laughs> and and I'm I'm doing this. 
and I, I knew that if I let go, if I released my hands, I would have done the biggest laugh. <laughs> I think it was all the tension. I remember she, my daughter had to get out first and I followed her because the two of us would have just exploded. And this man puts his arm around us thinking that we were crying. <laughs> and I remember going out and I, I remember saying, thank you, I needed that. I needed to release that tension. But having said that, when it, when it came to the burial, I had already written an, a letter mm. and told no one. And I knew it was going to be a big thing because I thought, oh, people are going to ask questions or be curious. or And I thought, no, this is what I have to do for me. And actually, the letter was very simple. You know, I know what you did. And I am, I am, I play no blame or fault in this and let the good Lord judge you. It's not my place. And I remember it going down, the coffin going down, and I just leaned over. And I knew that I'm going to stand out, but I was back to that kid. I need to say what I need to say, but it's in a letter. And I just dropped it. Oh. And Patty. When I dropped it, I dropped everything that went oh. with it. I everything went with it. So my brother and sister could put, you know, could connect the dots and I knew what it was. But when I did it and I knew that the soil would cover it, it would it's gone. It's not mine anymore. I'm free. It's done. It's done. It's done. And that's it. I don't have I don't have there is, there is no feeling. It's completely neutral. There's an absolute blessing of everything I now do because of what I had to go through. Oh. And, you know, and it wasn't until years and years later that mum said, I thought there was something. Mm. Yeah. But that's as much as she could handle. Yes. And I, you know, some things you've got to walk away from. Yes, but you've said your piece. Oh, yeah. that was incredibly uh, brave what you did. My yeah. goodness. And I could imagine the weight, the heaviness that must yeah. have lifted is just. Because I waited for the right moment. Mm -hmm. I also waited. I knew that he had to be down deep for me to drop that because I know it had to stay with him and not with me. Oh. Because it was still a burden in my bag. Once, it re once I let go of that, it was, and you know, I very rarely even share this story with people, mm. but it's it was actually really symbolic. Mm. You know, some things, whether you sing it, speak it, write it, you've got to say what you feel. Mm. Just, you know, ask the question, where are you coming from when you do it? So when it comes to, I need to accept it, it, it happened. Nobody needs to know all the details. That doesn't matter anymore. But what did it give me in return for what it took? Mm. When you have the courage to see what it gives you, then you it's dissolved. Mm. It's down there, it's buried, it's gone. You know, so you know, when when I when I see them and they and they use it as their badge of honor, I, I walk away. Mm. It, 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 it's not that for me. Mm. It's not that. Oh. Oh. yeah 
thank you for this but yeah as i said not some not something you know i i share and, and nobody knows to know know all the details we can all we can all figure it out yeah that's not you know that that will never be the the um the issue um but it's also taught me who i don't want to be mm. and i'm also grateful for that too mm. and you know when i when i walked away from that cake shop i know who i did not definitely want to be mm. and i also knew that i would never because that wasn't in my other oath i would never treat anyone mm. and make them feel the way that that that, that woman did oh. so um again another gift mm -hmm. another gift what not to do yeah so um we're we're worth fighting for mm we are worth fighting for and if you're wanting to be a speaker to tell your story mm -hmm. then you're worth working on you first mm -hmm. because if if you're only using the opportunity to make others work on themselves mm -hmm. we will eventually see through that we will but when you see that you can work through what you can work through mm -hmm. you can see the the inner intent is you know I'm I'm willing to do what I need to do for me, but I'm also so willing for you to help because I can see what it can do. Mm. So that that's when we've got to be congruent. Mm -hmm. It's like you know sometimes I get speakers that want to sh you know sh uh, their message is you know how to make millions, mm. and yet they're not they're nowhere near it. So it, it's not congruent, mm -hmm. and it's it's this, it's the same in our in our own lives. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's you, you've you've got to you've you've got to work on you first, mm. so that you can understand why and how and the benefit and the drawbacks of staying where you stay, mm. so that you can give a story that's so wholehearted and it's a full book, mm. and the people want that wisdom, because today everything can be very lopsided. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it takes courage to to say, oh, I want to pick the other half. Mm, the other half of my story, oh, I was going to take guts to look at it. I guarantee you it will be worth it when you do. Mm. It will be worth it. So that that's, you know, that that's why. Mm -hmm. You know, I share that. And um, then you don't stay angry. Mm. That's to me the tragedy, that you stay angry that you use that as your shield either to block people out or to block from ever finding your real purpose. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, Jennifer. Mm. Ooh, you're a very, very busy lady. I don't have to tell you <laughs> this. You're a mother, the dire uh, director of talk, um, talk trainers, a grandmother, wife, uh, speech coach, mm. a friend. How do you stay grounded and balanced in all of this? Please do share. All right. Well, for me, um, is I know what I want and I know what's important to me. So, you know, we all have our own list. We, own, we all have our own values. Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask the question, where do you spend your most time or your most money in? And there are two areas for me. I spend a lot of time in the kitchen because I... Um, I love I love being there and I love the fact that you know when we cook the food and, and have people over mm -hmm. and have family together that's big for me because mm -hmm. when I look at the memories of my past there were some real happy memories in that and I wanted to create that so you know it was never all bad mm -hmm. 
but and I can see now it draws our families together and we talk, we, we make memories. So I know that is a high value for me, family, but I also know it's a high value for me to help and be that coach. Mm. Right. When I do the two together, I can see that I'm balanced and I'm in my happy place. Mm. And you've got to find where do you spend your most time that you do so well in? And and you, that's where you dedicate. So if someone says to me, "Oh, let, let, let's let's go out, uh, you know, to a, to a picnic," and if that's the day that I've got family coming over, I will tell you, I'm sorry, I'm busy, mm-hmm. because that's a priority. And if um, if I've got to do calls at three and four in the morning, you know, get up to do calls because I've got overseas clients, I do it because that's where my value is as well. I'm not tired. Mm-hmm. It's not an effort because it's what I love to do it's not an it's an absolute you know sure you at times you think oh, i've got to get out of bed but the minute you speak and you're in it in your zone it's your happy place mm-hmm. so you've got to find what it is for you there's what you value and and be consistent with that every you know nobody will break me out of those things mm-hmm. if if they come first they will come first and you will know it that they come first and then because otherwise the world continually dictates you. Yeah. I know what's important to me, and that's and that's important. So that's it. Yeah, and I love now. I've got my office here, but I've got the kitchen right next to me. <laughs> I'm in my I'm in my I'm in my element. And um, there was one of my clients once. He said, "Oh, I liked how you coach." He said because you're always using life's lessons in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, to teach. And uh, the irony was that that day I was between court, between coaching calls and there was one hour break. So I thought from, you know, running up from my training room up to the house, I thought, great, I've got one hour, I'll do the cooking, prepare all that so that later on food's ready for when the family comes home. I've been trained in a Catholic school. We always wore an apron, always. And I still wear aprons. Mm-hmm. So when I walked back down to uh, to meet my client, who was 10 minutes early, I shook hands with him and he said, oh, I like the look. I had no idea I had my apron on. <laughs> and that's when he said to me, and that, I, I got to thank John that day because he changed it for me. He said, and I died with embarrassment because here I am trying to look professional. <laughs> and uh, he said, don't get me wrong, you know, and don't take this the wrong way. Well, I thought, okay, it looks like I'm going to be taking something the wrong way now. Mm-hmm. But he said, it actually suits you that you wear an apron. And I go, what, what, what? No, 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 no. He said, no, 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 hear me out. He said, when you're teaching, he said, you're just teaching whether it's through, you know, life's lessons to your family. And he said, it's just so you. And I realized you are actually right. Mm -hmm. It is, and I'm not ashamed. I was before. I was embarrassed. You know, I've got five kids. I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. No, it's my badge of honor for me. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, when I do, when I used to do my keynote address in the beginning, I would wear I would tell the story and put my apron, <laughs> because I say to the audience now, what's the apron you wear when you get up in the morning? Is it you? Is that apron that figurative apron you wear? Is it you? Who you are? Because I thought, you know what? It is me. It is the apron. I live in the kitchen. I have five kids. I had three step kids. It is who I am. It's the lessons I've learned. Once I embraced it, it's like like I said in the beginning, your voice it gets louder on the inside. 
And so do, so does your mission and your vision. Mm. No, no, there's no no voice louder than mine now on the inside. Mm. I feel like saying amen to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. So That's... um yeah, so it was always called the apron story. Mm -hmm. And and I received a letter from a man in New Zealand who was a journalist and he said, I want to thank you for the apron story. He said, I've changed my career. I want to wear the apron that's me. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And and in fact, I, I've got now, I collect aprons because I've got aprons from all around the world <laughs> and clients that have bought me aprons. Oh. And I thought, you know, nothing beats yeah. being who you are, who you choose to be. Mm. Nothing beats it. Like I don't have to compete and compare with anyone. Mm. Sure, I'm different. So is the other, we're all different, but you got to, you know, love who you are. And that's what people will see. Yeah. They will see that when when you're okay with that. So, you know, when I was wanting to work, cut it in the corporate world, I thought, wow, well, you know, they're going to see I don't, I don't look corporate because so many people told me in the industry that I look too wholesome. So, you know, <laughs> I saw that as the downside. And I can't begin to tell you the work that I get from CEOs and chairmen and, and, and all sorts of people who say we feel comfortable. And I thought, well, you know, comfortable wins in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, having the apron of who you are wins in the end. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. So, yeah, again, took didn't happen overnight. It takes a long time to figure out who we are um, is who we've got to be worth working on. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, my goodness, so many <laughs> So many beautiful <laughs> things. And I'd like to ask you something. I, you mentioned all those children, the five children, and then the three stepchildren. Mm. That's a whole lot of people to feed. And um, I just wanted to share yeah. something with you because I listened to your interview, actually, um, that you had with Darren Lacroix and Mark mm. Brown on the Unforgettable presentation. And I, I was fascinated. It was such a beautiful uh, mm. interview, actually. So please, I encourage you to go watch it uh, wherever you are. But I found out in the conversation mm -hmm. that uh, you lost a son. And mm -hmm. uh, right after this conversation, I didn't want to change this, this meeting with you because when we had the exchange, mm -hmm. I felt like you, there was something you wanted to share and I didn't want to delay this. But right after, I, mm -hmm. I'm going on a road trip to go to the funeral. My cousin passed away. He was 37. Mm -hmm. And uh, the funeral will be tomorrow morning. And um, my aunt is inconsolable. She lost her mm -hmm. eldest son. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I think losing mm. a child, I don't have to tell you, this is the worst thing that could happen to a mother. Mm. I, I lost my, my sister just a year and a half mm. ago. So I saw my mom losing her eldest daughter. Can you share? I know you cannot console a mother in that right no. now, but maybe. In and, and, and now it's real and it's raw. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, uh, to be fair, also, um, Samuel was uh, step, uh, my stepson. Okay. But uh, Samuel was was. I was with Samuel for 20 years. He he died at the age of 30, literally, I think about a month after he turned 30. But um, like I mentioned before, you know, everybody went to work on that Tuesday morning and all did the their daily routines. But by the end of that night, you know, we were looking into a, a, a body bag to identify him mm. in an in an unforeseen accident. So you 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 just don't know where your world takes you. Mm. Um now, when I look back, because that's now been uh, 15 years since Samuel's passed away, and it would, it wouldn't, 
to be fair, it was one hell of a ride. Mm. There was, you know, some, you know, rocky moments. But I remember standing at the kitchen sink and um, my son, our son, Paul's and, and my son, who was so close to Samuel, we had 10 days at home after the funeral and it was time now to go back to the real world. And we were looking out the kitchen window and my, son, my husband was out looking out the window too. And uh, PJ, our son, Paul Jr., he said, that's it. Because he only had one more year of high school. And he said, that's it. I'm not going back. I'm done. What for? He saw no vision. He saw no hope. And I remember my husband, this is, you know, his son as well. And he said, I've got to go back to work. He said, because life is still out there. Mm. And the sun still will shine with or without us. Mm. And he said, if I go back to work, my son, promise me that you will go back to school. But when you do go back, he said, live in the honour for someone that is not here to live it. Mm. And it changed. Mm. It just changed from anger and the why and the not fair to feeling, you know, cruel and robbed. Mm. And and i got to tell you, the most powerful moment I, I did, because PJ was just an average student. Mm -hmm. He went back. And whatever he told himself, he went and had a conversation with his teachers. He said, I want tutors for this and for biology and for this and for maths, whatever. And we supported him wholeheartedly. And he changed overnight. And he ended up leaving high school and graduating, you know, in, in the top few percent. And today he's a human behavioral scientist. Mm. And the teacher said, we never saw that coming. Mm. But when he got his, his degree, he made a copy and he went to the cemetery and he placed it at Samuel's. Oh. So he lived in his honour mm. and did what he can't do, but he did it. And that, you know, that, that made us realise that Everything we ever do, we do for the people that aren't here mm. so that nothing was ever wasted. Mm. You know, nothing was ever wasted. Uh, and 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 because we had a lot of children, they all did what they did well in life because of what they had gone through and what we all experienced because of it. Mm. And we, we will say we thank Samuel for giving us, because we all went in directions we you know, it was, I'd already purchased my tickets to to do the course with Darren and, and Craig Valentine. I I um, bought that six weeks before Samuel passed away. Mm. So after he passed away, I totally forgot that I had tickets to go to America. And, you know, my husband said to me, and he's not a man of many words. That's why when he does say something, it's always profound. Because mm -hmm. I said, that's it, I'm not going. I, I don't feel like going now, not six weeks after the hell we've been through. He said, no, no, no. He said, you've got to go back. He said, you've got to come back to have the courage to tell your story. And I said, I can't, this is so hard. But he said, 
this is why you do it because it's going to be worth it anything hard is going to be worth it and I remember and there's a photo of me with the world champions I'm all in black they didn't know and I was there for 10 days and and that was the start of my business when Samuel passed away oh. yeah so um, there's a lot comes from these tragedies. And now we see we see him in a different form. You know, he's no longer water, he's ice, but he's still water in a different form. He's still life in a different, you know, in a different form. Um, and sure, things get, you know, that that little bit better every now and then, you know, you get the memories, whether it be the birthday or the what ifs. You saw the person that he was prepared to propose to when he died and you know, she's moved on. You, you, you see all those things, but I'm not going to waste a life. I'm not going to waste a life that's been given to me. Not when one was taken. I'm not going to waste the opportunity that we still have here. So we don't live in, in um, guilt. More in purpose mm. because of it. Because of it because of it and I will not and I've seen all my children have excelled at everything because of it mm. we will not waste what we have learned because of it mm. so um that's why you know that's why I um it there's so many things that have guided me to, to the signs of you need to be where you need to be to help others mm. um and even there, you know, when I get my dark moments, I, I'm real, I'm human. Um, when dark things happen and then all of a sudden I'll get a call. Um, somebody wants to co be coached and, and and it takes me down another path of remember this is your purpose. This is why you are who you are. Now, when I went to um, at the funeral, my husband said, I, I can't do it. I cannot do this eulogy. He said, I will tell you what I want to put in it. But he said, I want you to do it for me and be my voice. Now, can you see all the benefits from that eight-year-old girl that has given me that voice? Mm. You know, to find my own journey, to help, you know, to help others and to be the voice of someone else. And, you know, the, the, the one thing that Samuel left us was just enjoy your life. That's what he, that's what he was always about keeping life simple um and we we all we all do we all do that in, in in our family and you know every time my son pj does something and an achievement you'll see it at his grave when you go there to visit um there was a time when he was wanting to raise he was um wanting to earn money and he would clean people's driveways and he made a brochure and he would put it in the letterbox the first one he went to was Samuel's grave and he put that brochure there. Mm. So he's now part of us in a different form. Mm. That's yeah. beautiful. Oh, Jennifer, I'll keep you here <laughs> all day <laughs> for you, all night for me. <laughs> but um, finally, if someone would like to find out more about you or hire you yeah. as a coach, or as a speaker, what is the best way, please, to reach you? Um, you could either email me jennifer at jenniferleone.com.au or you could do it through my website which is jenniferleone.com.au as, as well 
and um, and oft often I'll do a, a call, a complimentary call with you first to see what it, what are your purposes and, and how could I be that person? You know, we've got to make sure that I'm the right fit for you as well and, and that you are the right fit for me um, so that I can bring out the best in you. Yeah, and uh, it helps that if you're coachable. But sometimes I've had only a few people that weren't coachable mm -hmm. or they were all about their ego and, and I've made it very clear in my values that I won't work with people with egos. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not that coach. But if you have that sincere and sincerity to want to help others because of what you've done or overcome or achieved, then I, I'll, I'll move heaven and earth to make that story and unfold all of your story mm. so that your your purpose and that meaning, you want people to walk away and go, wow, when, when he said or when she said this or that, man, it changed it for me. Mm -hmm. And I've, that's what I've got to find in your story. There'll be little parts of the story that somebody in that room will just latch on and go, wow, you've just made a difference to me. Mm. So that's, you know, that, you know that, that's what I'm prepared to do. A lot of my clients are overseas, so it still works well, works well on Zoom mm -hmm. and doing the calls, doing on deliveries. And, you know, I've got people in Toastmasters where I prepare them for their speeches mm -hmm. that are doing, you know, extremely well as well and for a lot of them um they also enjoy the process because i love to teach them why i do what i do so you can understand how people think when they hear your story mm -hmm. we've got to understand the twofold where people are coming from that hear you and you know what do they really do want from you mm -hmm. so you know i'll um I'll, I'll i'll do that as well so um yeah i'm happy to take you know discovery calls and take it from there see where it where it goes yeah wonderful oh yeah. let me share some main takeaways um, and i have to say you are very few people that i felt comfortable to say what i needed to say and i've not said that i've never been in in the right arena where i could share some of that story because it isn't about the actual story it's um, it's about the journey and the blessings that came from it. That's all. That's all it is for me now. Um, and I've not, yeah, I've not had many avenues where that could come out. So I thank you for that. Oh, thank you, yeah. Jennifer. Yeah. Like, oof, it's you cannot. It's not my interview, so I won't get into it. But I needed to yeah. hear everything you said. So I think we met because <laughs> I needed to hear your message. And I'm hoping and, some. Uh, and you came at the right time. Yeah, at the at the right time when I found that photo. Yeah. 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 Let, let yeah. me just share a few of my main takeaways and then I'll I will ask you if you have a one last story you'd like to share before we leave each other. <laughs> mm. Um main takeaways. Don't try to be the best uh, in the world. Try to see how you can be the best for the world. Mm. If you're struggling right now, uh don't stay silent and obedient. Find your voice and use it please mm. save yourself free yourself release the burden mm. and um, also if you've been struggling with some tra traumatic experience try to reset and ask how did it serve you mm. and yeah ask what were the benefits that came from this horrible experience that you went through and i love them that was so powerful when you said the you were mentioning this uh, older gentleman, uh, this older gentleman, and you asked him, "What would you have done if your 
so-and-so in this case it was mm. father but if your father would have stayed well who would you have become mm. and look at the entire experience and try to find a way to become grateful for it and you don't have to live in your past work on yourself work through whatever you need to work through your audience will see it and you are worth mm. it know what you want and who you are and don't live in guilt live in purpose and my all-time favorite <laughs> wear your own apron mm. Ooh, what an honor jennifer <laughs> i feel so blessed um for mm. this more every single one of the minutes is there one last story you'd like to share with us or mm. last words maybe i think uh, i think the last story and I do mention it in Darren's because it's been, it's it's so prof it's so profound, and I still can't get over it. And it was of a, of a woman that I worked with in in the states, who again her mother had abandoned abandoned her as well, and uh, here she was a woman now ready to leave work and retire, mm -hmm. and in her retirement she had worked for about thirty judges throughout her career very knowledgeable woman and wanted to help other women who, whether they'd um, uh, been kicked out of home or been abused or um, just didn't didn't have any refuge or they're homeless. Like she wanted to help them because she knew the system mm -hmm. in the States and how, how, she, how she could help them. But she also wanted to inspire them. Mm -hmm. But she thought, I'll tell them my story because she said, you know, my story is quite unique. But at the same time, they will see how I've overcome my, st my, my story so when I worked with her you know I also was surprised how her mother had uh, her mother had a drinking problem and, and depression and had and had abandoned her her and her two sisters she happened to be the youngest of the two but the two sisters when the mother abandoned them was old enough to to leave and, and live on their own whereas here she was quite a young girl I think about 10 had to be palmed off and she goes to live with a minister and his wife and uh, they te teach her about her faith they love her as their own and um, and she goes on and they uh, support her with her education and as I said she does well working with the ju judges and so forth but every now and then the mother would ring and torment her and she wouldn't do it to the two sisters because they would you know, cut her off very quickly mm. because she was, uh, had a Christian background. Now she just, she thought it's a Christian thing to do, to not close the door on her. And, um, and all this woman wanted to know was why, why did you leave me? How could you do this? And she never, ever gave her the answer that she was looking for. So when she gets the phone call that her mother now is in hospice and she called her, she called the youngest daughter to come to her. Now, the older, the older daughters go, heck no, stuff that. No way. And she went, no, 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 I can't. It's just not in me. I've, I've, I've still got to go. Now, she still had the regret and she still had the anger, but she goes only because of obedience. And, and and the Christian thing was, well, whether it her or whether it was someone else off the street, I've got to do the right thing. And she thought, great, now she's going to tell me when she's going to die 
why she left me. Well, she can tell me any story. That, so this is where she was coming from. She thought, oh, damn, she's going to just tell me, you know, whatever it is to keep her mind in peace before she dies. So her mother gives her the key to her trailer. And she said, I want you to clean it and sell it. That's it. And then the daughter says, well, I want to know why you left. And she said, I'm ready to tell you. And she said, I knew you would be better off without me. Oh. That's it. And she passed away. Now, her two sisters says, don't clean the, the, the trailer, blow that. No, why, why do we have to clean up her crap after what she's done for us? And she still thought, no, this is the right thing, but I'm so angry that that's all you left me was the fact you thought we were better off. She felt robbed and she felt so angry. And she was so reluctant to go to that trailer. And when she goes to that trailer and she sees the outside of the trailer, it was atrocious because she was a hoarder. Oof. And she walks into the she walks into the trailer and she said she had to cover her mouth. The stench, the filth. There were dead rats. There were skeletons of rats. That's how bad this trailer was. And she said she spent the whole day in anger, angry that she was dumped with, with this task. And the fact that her, her mother never really gave her the answer she was looking for. And she cleans the trailer, but she said there were bags and bags of rubbish she took out. And she finally sat on her bed, her mother's bed, and she felt something under her feet. It was boxes. So when she looked under the bed, she sees three suitcases. Which, now, obviously, we'd all be curious. And when she opened every lid of the suitcases, they were identical. Each bag had the name of each daughter in each bag. And in each bag, every conversation this mother had, whether it would be writing a message on a napkin to her daughter that she never saw, she would place it in each of these bags, suitcases. And she even had cuttings from um, if she saw that they were in the newspaper for a sports achievement or something. Oh, my God. So the woman lived the life of never seeing these three children, but she had every little memory that she had equally in every one of the bags. Then she found cash. She said it was a few thousand dollars, $4,000 in each bag cash. So she was surprised with that. Then she finds a bank book in each, in each of the suitcases. And when she goes to the bank, each one of these uh, bank books had $100,000 in each. Ugh. This woman lived in squalor, Ugh. in filth. And the only thing she had in that trailer of order was three suitcases. Now, when she's telling me, the client's telling me the story, she's saying like, you know, wow, amazement. I'm seeing how symbolic this is. This is so symbolic. And then I just said to her, you were never forgotten. Each and every one of you had your own back. Out of all the things of chaos in this um, trailer, there was order in those three bags. And I said, and where do you think that money came from? 
On the day her father died, the mother abandoned her. But the insurance money she never spent. Oh. And I said, can you see that you were loved equally? Equally. And that you were never forgotten. And that's oh when she God. cried and cried. Oh, my God. I said, what had your mother stayed? Look around you. What life would you have had oh living God. here? Would you be who you are today? And that's when she realized she was right and she was truthful when she said, I knew you would be better off without me. Mm. And she was. And she, and she just kept saying, thank you. I'm so grateful. And I said, could you see... How did that money help you? And would it paid off our house? How did that help you? Gave us peace of mind. I could now do what I want to do and I can now retire. Mm. I said, she helped you in the way she knew how. Oh. And she loved you in the way she knew how. Mm. And that was the half of the story that wasn't yet told. Mm. And got to be told, you know, with now more depth and gratitude and more understanding as well. And I and I, I've just never forgotten it, that out of all the chaos, this woman, all those years, had little conversations and wrote them on napkins and put them in each of those bags. Oh my God! And she and she never that. touched and she never touched the money that was theirs, and that's how she could help them. Mm. Now you know, them. sadly, the two sisters didn't didn't want to see it that way, and that's their prerogative. But she now saw. She actually was loved, but in her own way, in the way the mother knew how. Ooh, it's the most and beautiful story I've ever heard. It is. And it's and I and I I'm, I've never I've just never forgotten. Yes. I've just never forgotten. As tormented as the mind was for this woman, mm -hmm. that was the only place she had order mm -hmm. and the only way she could take care of them. That's why she gave her the key because she knew she'd be the one to be obedient mm. and not fight back. So she also knew her children. Mm. She also knew her children. She did. Otherwise, the yeah. trailer would have been burnt. <laughs> All That's of right. It. Well, she would have had um, people come in. Mm -hmm. She would have paid people cleaners to come in. And they would and, have kept it or something. And th they would have. They would have won. You know, a lot, lot of. They would have when they found the, suit, the suitcases. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's why I love what I do because yeah. the stories that I get to hear yeah, are amazing. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. an honor, Jennifer. Thank you. I feel so blessed. <laughs> and uh, thank you. And thank you for yeah allowing me this opportunity because I don't I don't often say you know, yes. tell all my stories. Mm. Yes, and they're mm. worth hearing. Let me tell you. <laughs> thank yeah. you for your but, trust. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But it was also I've had to work through them. So I wasn't they weren't they weren't always ready to be told. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I had to work through them. Yeah. And dear friend, thank you for watching mm. this conversation until the end. I hope getting to know this wonderful lady has touched you as much as it has touched me. And I will leave you with this. The power of your voice can change the world. Find it and use it. See you in the next video. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.